0: Hello and welcome to Lead Your Tribe. It's Kyle Wood here. Today I have a guest uh, which is a little bit different from usual. No Dale today. Uh, My guest today, I would describe him as a punk rock yogi maybe.
1: Oh wow, that's cool. I'll take that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Christopher Carter or as everyone calls him KC, is the catalyst in chief of this epic life And the creator of the four permissions and full life integration frameworks, KC is a culture and meditation advisor for companies and personal transformation coach for leaders. As a meditation teacher, KC has over thirty three thousand active students on Insight Timer, which is actually the the app I use for meditating.
1: Oh, that's great! Still, still, I think
0: I think because you because of you, Uh, I need
1: you
0: do it. uh, so, I met Casey at a thing called Camp GLP, which was a summer camp for adults, and Casey was one of the facilitators there and instantly made an impression, which we'll talk about today. Yes. Uh, and yeah, it was a, it was a great, great time and a great experience, and I'm really excited to be connecting with you again today, some four or five years later.
1: It's crazy how time moves. Yeah, it's, I've, I've really been looking forward to connecting and reconnecting with you Kyle. This will be fun.
0: Good to have you. Uh, so I thought I would, we would go back in time because you ran some workshops at that camp and also with your social media things. I feel like I know, remember a few things about you that have always piqued my curiosity, uh, especially now that I'm a dad because I remember that was one of the things, one of the first things I heard you talk about was like balancing that life of working and kids and (laughs) like self-care and every, you've got three kids. Um, so right, and uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tricky thing to juggle.
1: Yeah, it's um, I'd say the struggle is real, and the struggle continues. But um, it's it's kind of the journey of a lifetime is to bring people into the world and figure out what to do with them and how to keep them entertained. Um, whenever I think of my three kids, I mean, I guess it's like exponential, right? You have one, I have three, Stephen Covey, who wrote, uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. Nine, you know, really? Yeah.
0: I didn't know. that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, they were, they were holding hands in a circle around him as he passed away. And and to me, that's Uh, a a beautiful Testament of his legacy of not only the work that he created, but that he lived that work and he created children that would honor him that way. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, you met me in very kind of heightened circumstances where I was the kind of the, um, summer camp counselor on steroids at camp, good life project. But, um, over the course of those weekends, I got to share the, the gift that Jonathan Fields gave all of us was permission to kind of be ourselves or what I call permission to glow in the dark, which is, I got to share that, um, dad aspect and me, like, come on guys, let's do it. You know, like
0: let's, let's <laughs> yeah. get after
1: it. And and also that, um, that Yogi part you mentioned, which is leading meditations, getting people to pay attention to, you know, the their relationship with stillness and being, and, uh, and also lead the business workshops. So it's, um, yeah, so we, we met in, in very extreme kind of circumstances, yeah. but if you, if you just <laughs> popped over my house, you'd probably see what I see at your house, you know, like Picking up after people, making sure people are eating, you know, yep. taking the yep. garbage out, you know, being a dad.
0: <laughs> being a dad, yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's go back to around that time. So back when I first met you, you, were, you weren't working for yourself full time yep. yet uh, and you were still working at, um, at a company. Yep. And I believe, I think before I met you, back when you met Jonathan, you were thinking about quitting. Right. Is that right? Yeah. I mean,
1: you always have these entrepreneurial dreams. I mean, when you work in corporate, I mean, I was fortunate to work for a great company. We won a lot of awards for culture. It was a company called Centro that's based in Chicago here in the States. We grew very fast. I grew from like the 44th employee to like over 900 in a period of like eight years. So we grew fast, won a lot of awards for culture. And I was getting these opportunities to become a coach. You know, I was coaching a lot of my superiors. A lot of my teammates, I was leading uh, training and development for a bunch of salespeople and just always had that dream of, you know, walking out of there on the last day and be like, screw you guys, I'm going home. I don't need this anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm done with digital media or whatever we were selling. And um, it never quite works out that way. You know, like the, the way it worked out for me was I was training a lot with Jonathan and Good Life Project, helping create those experiences like camp like some of his other, you know, immersion experiences and trainings. So I was mm-hmm. using my curriculum design experience and my, and my corporate experience to help good life project. Mm. And I was taking all that fire and inspiration from good life project back into my company. And at some point I knew that there would be like a, a launch happening, but, but it can't, it was totally unexpected. They actually, my company eliminated my position while I was on a, a sabbatical. So I was taking this five week trip with my family at the end of 2015. And I learned when I came back that my job had been eliminated and it was like, a Whoa, I'm not ready for this kind of thing. But it ended up being so beautiful because they chose it, not me. I got a nice severance package, which gave me some financial runway to build a whole new, uh, career for myself. And, um, the timing was funny too, because we were buying a new house and uh, renovating it. So we were building this dream house. And then all of a sudden I came home to realize I had no income to support it. So it was like that perfect mix of just like motivation, you know, like when, when feeding your kids is at stake, you will figure yeah. out whatever the hell you need to do to do it. And so <laughs> I started signing up coaching clients and started consulting and kept deepening my training as a coach and kind of had been building for the five years since
0: yep yeah. yeah cool uh so this uh, shows about leadership um and like leading from that sort of heart based place mm, perfect. and one of the things wh- when you were still working that I remember seemed to remember you doing is that uh you focused on the things that were inside of your control that you could that you could still do inside of the business, you know, before you're working for yourself. And I feel like one of those things was a newsletter. Am I remembering that correctly?
1: Oh yeah. Right.
0: Special times. <laughs> tell, <laughs> yeah. Me, yeah, tell me about that. Cause I, cause I just feel like it's a really oh, cool gosh. story.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, well, first of all, it says a lot about the company I worked for that they would actually not fire me for doing what I did, <laughs> uh, but they celebrated it. And, um, during the, I worked for that company for about eight or nine years and, it it included the 2008, 2009 recession in the United States. I'm sure it was all over the world, but like it was a really hard time for businesses. And our CEO later told me that my newsletter helped him get through the darkest chapter of his career and his leadership. And what the newsletter was, was I would sit at my desk in Akron, Ohio, and just kind of nerd out on personal development and also kind of this notion of authentic voice. Like I would use my very you know, funny, playful, curious, sarcastic, sometimes voice to kind of frame up this personal development newsletter. So it was like the sugar that helped the medicine go down, you know, and um, every time before I would hit publish on these, I would send it out once a month to special times. I would just cringe at my desk and think this is the one that's going to get me fired, you know? So like my body would get all <laughs> tense and I'd like hit sin really? and I would just, Oh man, I wanted to vomit. And, uh, <laughs> oh, wow! And, and every time the responses that came back were like, this is the best thing that's happened all month and super inspired and, and like the letters and the feedback was so great. And honestly, that was the, like the seed that grew into what I did at camp, which was figuring out how to dynamically play with, you know, leadership, the spiritual medicine I try to give people and also coded in this very playful fun. Anybody could do it. If, if I could figure it out, so can you. And, and it was it, like that kind of grew into that persona that, that I used at camp and I still use with some of my clients, which is, you know, personal growth is not easy. Leadership is not easy. It's it's often a very thankless job, but mm-hmm. if you can make the journey fun and rewarding and you know, spiritually grounding, then anything's possible. So so I think that newsletter you mentioned was kind of like the first version of, of what it's become.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that feeling you described of wanting to vomit, of like just being like oh, oh yeah. Right. Uh so what It would be easy then to just stop and be like, okay, I'm still gonna do this. So what what do you feel like did keep you sending it? Or even send it in the first place?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I intuitively knew. I knew deep down that that it was valuable and it was important. And, and that if I put so much love and work into it, it needed to be absorbed and felt, you know? And I also had the company's best interest in mind. So I, I ended up working on the HR team, which kind of govern, governs those things. And, you know, if some crazy employee, one of 600 or whatever at the time employees, was just sending out a company-wide email without yeah. asking permission, that's a bold <laughs> move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> HR would not be into that. Like, in, including <laughs> me when I became an HR person, like if some you know, wild card was doing that, i like, what the hell are you doing? But the, the vulnerability it took to really put myself out there as a leader, you know, like I was in my attic in Akron, but I was really taking on a leadership mantle doing that. and, and, getting the CEO's constant support and feedback and kind of fanning the flames was acknowledgement of that. And and I think now, like, you know, doing my own work with my coach or when I'm coaching clients, we're always trying to encourage people to stand in the field of possibility, which is vulnerable. It's in the unknown. It's like outside Mm. your comfort zone. And when you do that, you feel that body tremble and you feel that fear, but that's where all the good stuff comes from, you know? So I think that was one of those form. I'm so glad you asked about the newsletter because I think it was one of those (laughs) formative things that that helped me connect to my authentic voice, um, and also helped me kind of build that muscle of standing in the unknown. Because you know, entrepreneurship, fatherhood, you know, coaching people—it's literally all different versions of that same
0: thing. Yeah. Well, we were just—you notice behind me—is the Seth Godin's. You book the practice. That's yeah, great. In a way, that newsletter was a practice for you. It was like, yeah, because you had to do it. It was every Friday. Is that right? Or it you, was, it, it was, was once
1: a month, month but like the production once a month. That, okay, the production yeah. that went into them was so it was so <laughs> old school. I created the whole thing in a PDF. I sent it as an attachment, yeah. but like tons of like graphic layout and very funny inside jokes. This this yeah. one issue. I jokingly called it the corporate times and I made the whole thing beige and it had like clip art of like corporate stuff, whatever. And in the <laughs> newsletter, I fired all employees. Like there was the first thing I did Is like, by the way, everybody's fired. Come pick up your crap, bring a box. Like, like I was doing these radical things to get people's attention. But then once uh-huh. I did, I was giving them like a lot of heartfelt, meaningful, you know, stuff. And, uh, yeah, like now when I think back and I'm like, that was crazy. I can't believe I wasn't fired sooner, (laughs) you know, but, but, uh, it, it it was good prep for what I do now.
0: Uh That takes a lot of, um, insight. So would you describe yourself as a fairly empathic person?
1: You know, now I would, at the time I did, not I thought I was just like a helpless extrovert on steroids, but I was more, I was more empathic than I gave myself credit for. And I've had a, do a lot of intuitive empathic kind of work around my coaching because essentially my job is to read people's energy, you know, to see if their yeah. actions are congruent with their words or how they're talking to themselves. And, um, I think I had a good read on what my body was telling me and where the juice was coming from and where the inspiration was coming from. I felt kind of spiritually in tuned in that way. And, um, now I call that permission to feel all the feels, which is to tune into your body as an instrument and actually listen to it. You know, like feelings yeah. are like, telling you something, your stomach yeah. is telling you something. Yeah. Um, but at the time I just didn't have language for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, oh, that resonates with me when I first came to camp, I feel like that unlocked that part of me that before similar thing. I was just, I think I'd use it more as a survival mechanism before that to be able to read people and, and gauge, you know, how I should show up, which was very helpful working as a personal trainer because um, you had to work with new clients and sometimes you had groups of people. Being able to read the energy of people very quickly was was helpful, but it wasn't really until I met yourself and other people at camp that it was really like, oh, this is actually something I can use to, Uh, to help people and I think also for myself to recognize myself because sometimes I would maybe talk to someone and I could see that mismatch. I could feel that mismatch between what they were saying and what they were clearly feeling. Right. And it would drive me crazy that they couldn't see it. Yeah. And then I would probably come across way too intense.
1: (laughs) Well, and also we do like it's it's like a double blind thing because we, we don't realize what we're doing too you know like, yeah. like what you described i would call like the distinction between doing connection you know like using that tool is like a way to read people and see where i fit and how do we vibe and you know what's going on and, you know make people like me i mean like I, that's what i was using it for all the time mm-hmm. and um versus doing connection versus being connection which is Reading back to people, you know what I experience of you? I experience this. So I experience, are you open to a reflection? I'm experiencing a little disconnect. You know, do you do you sense that? Yeah. You know, like that really authentic and, and that can be scary, I mean, especially with strangers, but there's many times during my job now where I'm in conversations with, you know, highly educated, highly accomplished, intense people, and I have to give them that, you know, very clear reflection where they're you know BSing themselves or whatever. And uh you know, you, you never know how it's going to land, but, but most people are pretty committed to their growth and they want to know that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that being connection or doing connection. (laughs) That's such a good way to put it.
1: (laughs) And it's hard. I mean, like, I think there's a lot of times where I think, I think I'm being connection, but the mere fact that I'm thinking it means I'm really just doing it. Meaning, Meaning like I'm performing it or I'm, uh, processing it through my mind of what do people think of me or, you know, do they feel like, am I using my, you know, gregarious nature to you know somehow manage and control the situation or manage and mm. control them. And, mm. you know, my, my wife likes to joke, I've been married for 21 years and my wife always jokes that I'm on this Constant campaign, waging a campaign for everybody to love me at all times, and (laughs) you know, in in some ways that's fine, I'll take it. But in other ways, it's it's still a manage and control thing, and yeah, um, you know, it's we 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 all have these things that we have since childhood that we, you know, we could use them as tools to to work work with others, but they also can hold us separate from others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, speaking of behavior, one thing I wanted to ask you about is that you seem to be for the better word, intentionally you or at least these days that that the way you show up is not just an accident um, that you especially online and off we were talking just before about uh some of the things you share online with your family and stuff like that, and it's not always the happy moments yep. <laughs> that you share. Uh so yeah, or even even for yourself, like, you know, even with your own times at times as we all have as human shortcomings and things like that. So so is that is that an intentional thing you try
1: and do? I mean it tries to be. I mean I think that social media has warped all of our understanding of what's authentic and what's for show mm. and what's what's posturing. Um you know like we it's such a tool that's used for comparing and all this stuff, but, but it is a very powerful tool to to share your life and share the things you're learning. And I think what you've sensed about me is like, I've I've kind of switched less on the performative aspect of like, Hey guys, check this out. You know, like I would be running these, you know, kind of public experiments and personal growth. And now it's more about just the, uh, how crazy it is to watch three kids grow up and, 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 you know, shortcomings I discover in myself as a father, you know, where I Mm -hmm. fly off the handle for something stupid, or I throw what I call a mantrum, which is a man tantrum (laughs) over, um, you know, just boiling over, over something stupid. And, and I feel like it's, it's really important to share those things. Uh, not, not so I can, you know, do authenticity, but I can, um, remind my clients that I'm in process alongside of them and I think we need examples of, of men and, and women um, that take ownership over when they, you know, hit a wall or face plant or face facepalm. Uh, I've had a few pretty public corrections on things that I've posted where people, you know, want to use it as a, a way to educate me on something, a better way of saying things or a more yeah, okay. inclusive, inclusive way of saying things. And, and I'm all for having the conversation publicly because I think it's important to be, you know, to, to practice humility and to be open to learning and open to a reflection. And every time I've done that, it usually leads to more subscribers, followers, clients, because it's I'm not trying to BS myself into doing it for shock value. It's it's just kind of the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, that That's something... That I struggle with is, I guess, being willing to be wrong, you know, right. and then oh. accepting—I get publicly—and accepting that, yeah, I would be, yeah, wrong. <laughs> so accepting someone. I, actually, I think that bit I've got, but it's just the willingness, yeah, to be wrong and and worry about being embarrassed or. Shame yeah.
1: well, well it triggers something that i think is it, it, you mentioned survival mechanism it's exactly what it is like our survival mechanism can't deal with being wrong you know because we, we want to go to this binary place of right wrong if i'm wrong it me it reinforces the fact that i'm unlovable in some way you know like these yeah. are all kind of deep-seated things so being wrong takes guts you know it's it's why you know our Lame duck president uh, can never bring himself to ever admit fault. You know, like yeah. narciss- narcissism is so much easier than um, just saying, "Hey, I really screwed up." Like, what do I need to clean up? Mm. You know, help help me learn, educate me. You know, change me in some way. Um, it, it's it's not a comfortable place to be. But if if we're open to just the other side's ability to share some wisdom with us, it doesn't make us wrong it makes us both in this kind of collaborative kind of learning space where we're, we're here to grow each other, you know? So it's like, it's it's not the fact that you are wrong. It's that you label it as such that the causes mm. that suffer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think the, that idea of having the conversation in public and learning from e- each other, that does sound like it does sound ideal. <laughs> to me, like that that, that, that yeah. would be the best way to go about it and the way we can uh, appreciate diversity and different opinions and points of view yeah. rather than being against those, which it seems to be the knee-jerk reaction. Oh, man. I and, guess because of the right or wrong thing.
1: And literally all the algorithms are stacked against us. Like it, it's built on echo chambers and preferences and... You know, so, so the, the sheer fact that somebody would engage in a conversation to be open to being changed, it's not really the technology or tool for it. A phone or an in-person meeting yeah. works way better. Yeah. yeah. However, um, you know, I think that these, these tools, they're always getting co-opted for marketing purposes, you know? So like, yeah. um, I, am not trying to market my openness by having that conversation. I'm, um, I'm trying to, um, uh, maybe market that we should be having the conversation, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and some of and don't get me wrong. Like th- there's some of these that really sting and hurt me and make me cringe and want to puke and, and, and feel like I need to call people to apologize. I mean that it totally happens. Mm. Um, but, but it's the, the brave act of staying in it and still yeah. loving the person that's, that's trying to help you grow yeah. versus writing writing them off, blocking them. Yeah. Yeah. Forgetting yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's just uh, connected the dots on on uh, something for me. Um, I was reading the other day about how Netflix, back in the day um, when they has, you could still leave reviews on their their um, platform, they found that people would the review that someone would leave on their movie was not so much based on the movie they just watched, but the movie that they watched beforehand. So if they had watched a really good movie that they really liked, and then they watched a not-so-good one, they would actually rate that not-so-good one higher than they would if they'd watched a movie that they didn't like. And it's like some weird psychological thing that we do. But then on social media, you're capturing people who are, yeah, like maybe just looking at their friend who's on holiday again, and then they scroll and they're coming to your post and – the, you know, the reaction or comment or whatever they leave or whatever then it could actually have little to do with what you've, well, it might oh, right. have something to do with what you, you've written, yeah. but because they're already in a negative headspace because they're bouncing from one thing to the next. Uh, it's not like an intentional platform where you go to someone's blog, you know, like in the old days and you oh, read yeah, their and blog and really then leave engaged. a comment. Yeah. yeah
1: thoughtful, like uninterrupted. You're not competing with a million things to scroll through and you're not, you yeah. not in that like uh, split second flashing brain yeah. of lack <laughs> of presence. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, we, we, it has watered us down to likes and dislikes and, and those five emojis they give us uh, for the most part, you know, like yeah. when people comment, you know, when your birthday comes around and you get 7,000 HPDs, <laughs> like like that's all you can give me is hbd I, I I made another trip around the sun and I get an hbd versus a happy birthday or thank you for being uh, in my life like it's uh i don't know it's that's why it's a very limited tool
0: yeah yeah I try not to uh to i always appreciate the happy birthdays that I get from other people but I try not to message people uh or leave a leave a comment instead if it's someone, that I'm close to, I'll, I'll send them a text message. You know, if I have actually have their phone number <laughs> right. there in that, bar- and then I'll send them, uh, I'll use it as a reminder to send them a message, but I won't just leave a comment on their wall. Cause yeah, often they're just like, happy birthday, happy birthday. And, uh, or not even, <laughs> I haven't gotten any HVDs.
1: <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know, like what, what, what is the goal here? I mean, I thought the goal was to, to be connected to. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, connection. That's a good segue for next question. Uh, So before you leapt out on your own, uh, you were still running this epic life on the side and doing things. And we're talking about how you introduced me to Insight Timer and that was through one of your 30-day meditation challenges.
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: So, again, this seems like a situation where... You just stuck your hand up and said, Hey, I'm gonna do this thing. <laughs> right. Do people want to follow me? So how did how did what was the catalyst to starting a, a 30-day meditation challenge?
1: You know, it, it was all very organic. I was I was very passionate about meditation and how it changed my life, certainly. And and I noticed that it didn't really have an effect until I had created a daily habit out of it. Like by the time it took a, you know, took root as a daily habit. It becomes this compounding benefit. Like the more you do it, the more you need it, the more you crave it, and it doesn't need to be, you know, an hour every day. It it could be fifteen minutes, ten minutes, you know, but as long as it's every day. So I kind of knew that intuitively, and I felt that it was my direct experience. So I wanted to figure out a way to shout it from the rooftops. Uh, Meanwhile, I had launched a meditation program inside our company that completely failed. Like it had awesome marketing. It had awesome collateral. Yeah. i worked my ass off on it and it just failed. Nobody was meditating. So I knew that I wanted to trick people into meditating every day. So then I was like, <laughs> how can I do this? And, and the idea of a 30 day challenge came up and, and I was going off, it's kind of been since proven to be kind of bogus bunk logic that it takes 30 days to create a habit or 21 yeah. days to create a habit. I mean, th- those are cute little rules of thumb. I mean, Charles Duhigg put that forth in the power of habit, which is a phenomenal book. But it, it's not necessarily how all habits are created. Like it could take less. It could definitely take more. Um, you know, there's there's many habits that took me many years, many years to form. Like my non-drinking habit, for example, took me like many years to, to, to yeah. decide to be a non-drinker, right? But but a meditation habit, what I noticed is like if they're if they're doing it for thirty days, they can experience some changes along the way. They're shopping a little bit differently. They're not buying as much sugar. They're sleeping a little bit better. They're talking better to their, you know, to the people. And um, and I, I eventually did do a 30-day no drinking challenge too, but it just, it, it turned it turned into a convenient way to like gamify teaching meditation, but also building my list at the same time. Like it, it, it's always been my main list builder. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh Okay. So it's so, a, yeah. Yeah. And it was... I had done a bit of meditation before that, um, but you're yeah, always shaky on and off. And that actually, meditation's always been that way for me. It's been something that sure. I bring in, comes into my life and I commit to it. And then, for whatever reason, comes back out again. <laughs> and I'm currently in a stage where I am meditating. And even those short periods, I notice a really big difference to all those things you said. Uh, being, especially my capacity to listen to um, less less mantras doesn't get rid of the mantras. I think that was my approach to meditation before: was that it was going to be like sure. a cure, all
1: <laughs> <Right>. yeah.
0: <laughs> but now it's like, oh, it's I notice that I'm just having less mantras. I'm like, well, that's something, isn't it? Like, if I'm yeah, if
1: right, you're trending, you're
0: trending in the right direction. Exactly, yeah, and it's I don't need to get rid of maybe all of the, those things. Um, and maybe that's like an unrealistic expectation. Um,
1: but what, what it just creates what, what, you're, what you're doing when you meditate is you're, you're strengthening your meta attention, your ability to bring your attention back as many times as necessary. It's not about the absence of thought. It's about your mm-hmm. thoughts wandering and then bringing it back. So as you, and you'll get this cause you're a fitness guy, like you, as you strengthen that muscle of meta attention, you can notice that when you're throwing the Bantrum you know how is this serving me? Oh, maybe it's not. Yeah. I have different choices. You become <laughs> yeah. more aware, right? Yeah. And, and, and also, the it goes it gets deeper over time where you realize that 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 boil over that pressure cooker release, whatever that mantra is, it actually is serving some sort of a purpose. You know, it's it's not mm. just like some sort of garbage that you need to fix or get rid of. Um, it, yes, it's probably not productive or helpful, or there's better ways to do it, right? But Yeah, we we want to have the self compassion to to kind of accept ourselves where we are. Like in a year like this, you know, I was maybe two years ago. I was going through my coach's training. I was I was boiling over all over the place. I was bringing over so much like just pissed off, Mm. angry venom. Like I just felt like so much injustice. Like blah 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 blah. It's so silly for a white guy to say this, but the the past year, like with with this pandemic it's been more about this profound sadness, like all the injustice is mm. it's just sad. And, and, um, you know, like how some of my clients can change and other ones can't, that's a little sad. And, and I think these kind of blow in like in different seasons, and the meditation just kind of helps keep you kind of in equilibrium around it, you know, like where you, you, you expand your ability to be with whatever's happening, like, oh, mm. lots of uncertainty around the economy. And, you know, what are the clients doing and what's this virus doing? All those things can be maddening. If you don't have some sort of a practice that just kind of brings you to center. Yeah. It's, it's too, every year just feels like it's speeding up in it's intensity. Um, the, the, the speed of change, the the Mm. velocity of change, the intensity of it, and to be able to just slow down ourselves and just kind of be with, you know, those changes and know that like, Oh, These have come and gone before; they will so this time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very helpful. One of the things I try to do these days is to be of service and have that approach in my business. And when you were talking about things speeding up, it's like it almost that almost seems to work against that because I've when things are speeding up, I'm reacting to that rather than f- stepping back and focusing, well, wait, what do people actually need right now? What, is, what does my community need right now? Right. How can I actually help them rather than just grabbing, you know, the nearest thing that's assuming by. And,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's um, the first permission the, the, in the four permissions framework is permission to chill. And yeah. it, it's kind of like, written fun you know in a funny way and like bro language because chill can mean a lot of different things but just the even even the ability to pause and notice where you're coming from like am I pushing my clients on something that that is convenient for me or is it actually something that they need and want? Um, is is there an opportunity for more expansion here on both of our sides? Like all that comes from the pause. And and yes the meditation process practice is a huge part of that. But just, just the willingness to just slow down. Yeah, um, it, it's not wired into us. I mean, in Western culture, we're trying to go as fast as we can, and then drink more coffee on the way to getting there. And, yeah, you know, yeah. needed it yesterday, looking at screens all the whole time. I mean, it's, it's insanity. But, but to be able to, you know, hit pause and give yourself permission to chill. I mean, so much, so much good keeps coming from.
0: It. Yeah, yeah. Something I would like to talk to you and this is more for my personal is talking about uh leadership as as a father i mean so your 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 kids all teenagers now or just about uh thir-
1: 13 11 and 9
0: yeah okay so no i sorry, yeah, so 13, not that old sorry.
1: Six, 16 11 and nine. she will murder me 16 11, <laughs> 11 <and nine. laughs>
0: <Not 13>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so one teenager and uh, two going on so yeah, how do you find you apply this stuff to, I guess, showing up as the father that you want to be?
1: Uh, so you're asking me on a great Especially week.
0: Especially you. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you're asking me on a great week because I've been butting heads with my teenager about um, what she's eating or not eating, right? So it's we're, we're kind of settling into another big wave of lockdown during winter, And she's, she's sad. She's depressed about it because she's not seeing her friends like, you know, school's happening on a computer screen. I mean, it's not what she kind of signed up for. Right. Yeah. And, and watching anyone you love struggle sucks, but she takes it out and like, she'll, she'll like eat more convenience foods, eat, you know, just like really stop, uh, doing the things that I know bring us stability and joy, like Mm. getting dressed in the morning, taking a shower, like she'll take a shower, Change back into pajamas and then come down and eat some food <laughs> that I, that I'm like judging with my little gavel, you know? <laughs> and um, somebody gave me some great advice. A friend who's a fellow yogi, and he said, "Your kids don't really do what you say. You know, you think they will, but they won't. Mm. They they do as you do, and they kind of tune into like the long term arc of how you live. Mm. You know, so." the the fact that my kids have seen me become a sober meditating coach is probably trending well for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they're, they have full permission to go make all the same dumb mistakes I made and Uh learn the hard way on purpose and do all the things that I did. Um, And and to just be, you know, teenagers sometimes, which can be perceived as rude or just not listening or whatever, like that's fine. But my daughter, who she is as a person She's 16, but she's a professional musician. She has songs on the radio. She is, you know, she's winning competitions at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's getting yeah. offered record deals. And it's because she intuitively gets that long-term arc of like pursuing mastery, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So so I think it's our job as parents to just try to be our best example, try not to judge ourselves too harshly when we act like a crappy parent in the moment, because it's gonna happen. Yes. But do our best to clean that up and say, you know, um, the, the resolution on the eating thing this morning was that I said, I decided I was going to run out to the store and get everything to make smoothies. And I was leaving the house and I said, if I leave smoothies in the fridge, will you have one with lunch? You know? Yeah. So as a leader, that was like me, servant leadership, I'll go get this stuff, I'll make it, I'll uh-huh. package it up, make it, you know, easy for you. and. And she said, oh, yeah, thank you so much, Daddy. You know, that's awesome. And <laughs> so sometimes it's it's like falling on your own sword or just biting the bullet and doing the right thing, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah t- teenagers are tricky, man. Like my, my wife is constantly pulling myself, pulling me aside and saying, dude, don't do this, try this. And she's way really yeah. more intuitive with how to communicate. She remembers being a teenage girl. I, I was never going to say one.
0: she remembers. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> I never was one.
0: And because it's hard, because at that point there, because you and your eldest daughter – with the music stuff, seem to be close, right? And I imagine it's hard watching her in some ways pull away to make those own because that's the teenagers when they they want to find their own identity, isn't it? And they do that by just like <laughs> pushing way back. <laughs> oh my god,
1: like you, you're so intuitive because like this is exactly uh, the pulled. conversation I had. <laughs> What's well, exactly the conversation I had with my with my wife last night? She said, "When, yeah. you're, when you're doing this, when you're questioning what she's eating, you're pushing her away. She's going to stop yeah. eating dinner with us." you know? And yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And, and I, and I said, well, she never comes out of her room to see how we're doing and to help out and blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah. dude, you were a teenager. You did the same thing. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, her and I are actually wired to be, we're, we're too much alike. Like we're, we're, you know, we're, we're both like show people, you know, we love to yeah. sing to people. We love to let make people laugh. And those harder conversations just make it that much harder to connect on, you know, yeah. but, um, but we, we, we find our ways. Yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, I think it's the biggest thing I learned. The hardest thing I learned starting my own business was that, um, it's all connected. (laughs) You know, it's like the way I show up here is going to be similar to how I show up here. And if I'm showing up here in one way and not applying that same thing over here, um, and in some ways starting my own business, I feel like helped prepare me for being a debt
1: um, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's an amazing, it's such a, like what Seth Godin would call a constraint, you know, like to, mm. to know that you have to you know summon money from the ether to feed your family. <laughs> that's a constraint. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's like, it's a focusing device. It, it, it lets you know when, and when you can't work and, mm. um, entrepreneurship and parenthood, I can't imagine one without the other one really fuels the other is motivation. Mm-hmm. I mean, my pa- my kids were the prime reason why I have been successful as a coach because I had no other option. Like it, it's literally like that i song, like success is your only MFing option. Failure's not. <laughs>
0: because
1: you know, th- There's some like disturbing statistic, like coaches by and large on average, and I'm, I'm not trying to diminish anybody's income. Here. Like, like if you're making a living as a coach on any level, it's noble work and it's worth doing. And, you know, good for you. Um, But there's like something like 90% of coaches in the United States gross less than like 35 or $40,000 a year as a coach. And that that's amazing to to get by at some stages of your life, but with a family of five, that would not Mm -hmm. cut it for our lifestyle. And so I knew that if I was to scale that or to become best in class or to, You know, I I knew that it would, you know, like my minimum level of clients would have to be some people's maximum, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and so when my my coach is working with me, she's like, you're always telling yourself that you're being lazy this summer and you're taking time off to write your book. I'm like, well, I did. I scaled down to seven active clients. She's like, seven is still a full, like beyond a full load. And I'm like, not when you're used to carrying 15, because like 15 becomes your like, you know, you kind of... Um, it, it's funny how you can use your old corporate, in my case, my corporate life to motivate what you you're trying to mm-hmm. replicate that old salary, that old mm-hmm. you know, standard of living, whatever. And, and now I'm in the process of rethinking all of it, and just kind of blowing up the paradigm because it's um, you know, it's now more important to me as a dad to have time to, you know, for my creative pursuits and my kids versus yeah. only time for my clients.
0: Yeah. I love that. Thanks. I'm just looking at the time. Uh, I would love to throw a few rapid-fire questions your Absolutely, way. Absolutely, yeah. If you if you could, uh, cool. Love them. Um, so, Line them uh, up, set them
1: up or we'll knock them
0: down. <laughs> well, what is your favorite way to engage with your your tribe, your community?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say lately it's that turn on a dime combination between humor and punch in the gut feel feels. You know, yeah, <laughs> I, I love it when we can feel it, and, and that's usually by writing, uh, getting my getting my newsletters out every week, and um, yeah, or, or bringing people together is, is always the ultimate, but it's not happening this year.
0: Yeah, because you run a retreat as well, don't you?
1: Yeah, well, we were lucky to do the Costa Rica retreat right before this COVID started. Oh, so wow. we, got, we got to really, you know, connect deeply. But uh, but yeah, lately, I'm, I'm thinking of in the present moment, it's to just really, you know, show up with a lot of relevancy for them and to let them know that I'm feeling what they're feeling.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, who are two or three other like leaders you look to as role models?
1: Oh, that's an awesome question. Uh, leaders as role models. I mean, I think it's, it's a great question because in the United States, there's such a vacuum of effective leadership at the moment, right? Like we've had the example, like textbook examples of what not to do. Like blame everybody else and um, golf all the time is not a good uh, look for a leader. But to, um, to that end, examples... Jonathan Fields is a great example of a leader in that um, creator of Good Life Project. Um, he, he knew when to step back and let very talented people step forward and create these experiences. But he also held the vision and the standard of what the experiences needed to be. And, and I think that's a beautiful trait for a leader. Um, my grandfather, uh, who's no longer with us, but he was my, my architect for this epic life. He was the, he was just a, an amazing leader. He was a president of a big university here in New York and also, uh, raised a ton of money for this lighthouse that they saved. He's, uh, he also had six kids. Yeah. Uh, wow. So just the, you know, just a power dad, power community guy. power uh-huh. leader. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd say those, those two come to mind. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and I mean, Greta, you know, Greta Thornburg, the, the, the teenage yeah. climate <laughs> activist, incredible example of a leader because yeah. she doesn't use age as a limitation. She doesn't do, I believe she had some, um, uh, she has some, some other stuff that could be perceived limits, you know, like in her history and her health, but she, she uses her passion to mobilize the world behind a worthy cause, you know, so yeah, it's, yeah. um, you know, like that gives me hope for the future. Definitely. Like a woman so young to be doing so much already.
0: Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I mean, they have definitely got their work cut out from the next generation, but there's definitely some really amazing people in there and just a different perspective on things as well. It seems like.
1: Right. Sense, sense of urgency nephews and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, what is the one tool you use for running a business that you would miss most if it was gone?
1: Oh, wow, this is perfect. Is that a siren or a child?
0: That's it. You can hear that. That's my daughter.
1: Oh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> She's
0: singing or something. I'm not too sure, <laughs> it's, sure it's, I can it's, be able to hear oh, it at all. Well. Jo-
1: it's, it's a joyful,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's um, sound. I think it's a happy sound.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm sorry. Could you repeat your question? Uh,
0: what what is the one tool you use for oh, running a yeah, business two. that you yeah. miss most?
1: Yeah. Uh I'd say the, the it's weird because the the further I get into my business the less time I want to spend on a computer at all. Mm-hmm. I want to be with people. That's where business gets done. That's where the magic happens all that but in in terms when I think of tools I think of platforms and you know my like active campaign my email provider it does become a powerful tool and platform. It's like a CRM, it's a way to to keep up on relationships and to you know, kind of assess how you're doing and how things are connecting, I think it's a a pretty important one right now. And I'm I'm trying to deepen my my training on it substantially.
0: Yeah, okay. Cool. I like it. Uh, And one more. On the days where you're doubting your ability to lead and show up as a leader, what do you do to get back on
1: track? Today was, I mean... This week's another great example because I, um, we all have this and, you know, getting back into action, there's a lot of ways to do that. And most people just say, Oh, I'm being a lazy, whatever today, I'm just going to get back after it tomorrow. Right. Mm. Well, you're missing a huge opportunity there to really uncover what's underneath that, what Mm. what we call a stop in coaching, like why you're stopping. So this week it's been about doing just like a lot of like, um, deeper work under the hood to kind of shift some old stories or release some old stories. I, like I've been feeling a, a big growth into a new level as a, as a business person, as a leader. I recently got hired as a preferred coach for Amazon. They're this little book retailer in the United States. And <laughs> it, it was, it was a, it was a milestone in my coaching work because, you know, to, to, to show up and coach executives there is one thing, but to, to uh, do business with a, with a monster company that big for like a little yeah. tiny company like mine is like, oh my God, this, these are big processes I need to grow into. And, um, but when those things happen, those big milestones, it triggers you to, to spiral out in a different way. You'll self-sabotage, mm. you'll, you'll start getting shifty with whatever. And so, yeah, my, my answer is always is to get back into spiritual practice. Get back and, you know, like take a look at my meditation. What's the quality of my meditation this week? What am I working on in my, in my spiritual work? And that'll always shift the, you know my, my day-to-day experience.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, and where can people find you online?
1: Yeah. Every, all the roads lead back to this epic life. Uh, that's where to find me. I'm in the process of overhauling some stuff, getting everything ready for the book that comes out next year. Uh, so the the first thing we released on This Epic Life was The Four Permissions. I'm excited for people to see The Four Permissions Manifesto. And, and yeah, just say hi anywhere on Facebook or on social media. Look, look me up under This Epic Life.
0: Can, can you share much about the book? Do we know oh, title and yeah, yeah, things? Yeah.
1: yeah, it's called Permission to Glow, the, um, the Audacity to Lead in Wild Times. And The Audacity to Lead is it's really looking at leadership through the lens of these four permissions. I I shared the one permission to chill permission to feel all the feels, which is to tune into your own body as an instrument and listen to the wisdom that it has to share with you. So understanding your feelings, understanding that they're there for a reason and and, and acting upon them, uh, and permission to glow in the dark, which is the third permission. That's full self-expression with witnesses. Um, it's, you know, uh, Super powerful and inspiring on one level, but it's also really confronting on the other. To be with yeah. your own power, yeah. Uh, and most people hire me for that reason, but because they want to skip the other two of like you know chilling and, and yeah. feeling the feels. But they're they're kind of inseparable. And the fourth permission, it's almost more powerful than I know what to do with right now. But it's it's basically the people that have done these wor- the work of the first three will come together in collectives, and collect it. So that's called permission to glow in the light. And permission okay. to glow in the light is is a grid of people doing that work who are in touch with their feels, are willing to chill, are willing to glow in the dark, and that's the energy that can uplift the planet. Uh,
0: yeah. So,
1: so it's, um, yeah, it's a meditation on those four permissions. That's what the book
0: is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that last one, I crave that so deeply, especially after moving back to Australia from the U.S., I mean, I lived in Portland, Oregon. Like, it's, like, it's hard to remember. Yeah, yeah right. It's Yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, in terms of an area, I was in a bubble of like just people just doing the work um, and there was a pretty big camp contingent there, and world right, domination contingent. And so, uh, yeah, that's definitely the biggest thing I miss about the U.S. Uh, living there. Um, yeah. Uh, well,
1: there's, there's, um, there's a popular myth and, and I mean, I, I guess it's written into Joseph Campbell's, the hero, J- hero's journey, but that you have to leave where you're from to go out and get the elixir or the medicine <laughs> to come back around as like, yeah. the chosen one, the prodigal son or whatever, the hero. And, um, what I'm finding more and more is living where I'm uh, from now. I've been back about nine years the more I live here, the more I love it and the more grateful I am to be here. And there's this concept in yoga called water the roots. And when you ever you know feel lost or disconnected or you don't have your people, you want to water the roots where you are. Because mm-hmm. if you water the roots, you throw out new branches, new blooms, new yeah. you know, expansion. And uh, it's just something to play with because people like those camp people or people like the Portlanders, they're everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's it's where we're expecting to find them or sometimes not expecting to find them that we trip over them like some of the coolest, most woke ass, amazing, inspiring people are my neighbors here in Akron. I'm like, where have you been? Like, I've been flying all over the country for decades and, you know, running away from this place. And now I'm like, oh, I get to live here next to this person. It's like, just yeah, like the best. so I, I guarantee you their heart. They're there. Right. They're waiting for you if you're willing to work.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, and, then, yeah, and we have worry. we have found some here, and I think a big thing I learned was that I was often seeking that connection from other people because I wasn't connecting to myself. So that's been more my practice lately. Is right. is that when I'm noticing that desire to be like connecting with someone else, it's like just check in with myself and be like, are you connecting to yourself right now? And a lot of times, I'm I'm not, and it's like, and then that can give me some of the sustenance i need which then in turn helps me connect with other people and be more confident and things like that so
1: yeah it's um uh, it's a real gift i mean it's a gift of doing your own work if you work in those permissions or whatever you want to call them you're going to become more of a pristine mirror so other people could see themselves their authentic selves in your work and you can also share more of yourself and you know, I feel like I'm a baby step into this path. The more I get into it, the longer the path gets, right? <laughs> but um, it is super worthwhile to, 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 to be able to connect with people on that level and to share, share most of yourself with them.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the uh, podcast today. I'm, I'm looking forward to your book. I love the way you you are able to frame things or create a framework that just makes it easy, easier to digest and reflect. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to reading this.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Well, yeah, I'd love to come back next October. I mean, like the, the whole thing is I'm working towards that, and uh, I can use all the allies I can I can get to vault the world But I, I'm really excited about it. It's at this point where I'm not writing it; it's kind of writing me. I'm like, who am I to write this yeah. thing? And it's it, it's <laughs> becoming an organizing principle for my life and my work. So I'm just kind of letting it do its thing now bigger than me. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Thanks. All right. You can check out, uh, Casey at this epic life.com and all the socials and things like that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you again for your time oh, and time. your wisdom. Really appreciate it.
1: Likewise. Thank you brother.